0: Welcome to Female Fluence. We are a place of woman empowering woman. Each time we meet, we will have vulnerable conversations and discuss topics that we can all learn and grow from. At this point of our lives, as females, we need to let go of who we are supposed to be, but instead embrace who we really are so we can live an authentic life. We need to positively influence each other and give strength to our next generations. Please listen to Female Fluence, where females can be themselves. They are not judged nor afraid to flourish. Join me, Pearl Mashure, both a life coach, an educator, and a mother of three, to help you take on a journey of true identity and inspiration. Don't forget to subscribe so you too can feel inspired. After an exhausting day, my husband and I yearned to sit down to watch some television. We were both in the mood for something to ease our minds. After much searching, we stumbled upon a series on Netflix called Obsession. To say it was far from the wholesome contents that we had anticipated would be an understatement. Nevertheless, curiosity got the better of us and we decided to give it a try. (laughs) Little did we know that we were about to embark on a deeply disturbing journey. I hesitate to divulge too much, but for those of you who don't know this show, obsession revolves around a father's unsettling fixation on his son's fiance. The gravity of the concept weighed heavily on us as we delved deeper into the series. Upon completing the show, a profound sense of perplexity engulfed me. The storyline had left a mark on my psyche, tormenting my thoughts throughout the night and robbing me of a peaceful night's sleep. What bothered me the most was the glaring absence of humanity and integrity within the characters, particularly the father. And then there is the infamous Squid Game, a show that delves into a twisted realm of a group of individuals burdened by debt and driven to desperation. Lured into a bloodthirsty survival game with the promise of winning billions, the participants are pitted against each other in a shocking display of betrayal. The sheer magnitude of violence and the gruesome depiction of bloodshed in this series is nothing short of horrifying. One cannot help but wonder what societal values we are undiddling, endorsing, and promoting through such explicit and graphic content. These experiences force us to confront uncomfortable truths about the entertainment we consume and the message it sends. They beckon us to question the impact of these shows on society as a whole. Are we inadvertently normalizing disturbing behaviors and desensitizing ourselves to the consequences of our actions? As conscious viewers, we are responsible for critically examining the media we consume and considering its profound implications on our collective consciousness. This got me thinking, this kind of disturbance or eerie feeling has become the main theme of most shows. There's always this feeling where you feel awful after watching a show and the sex. While wow, there is so much sex, the ratings are all over the place. I can't seem to watch a single show in the evening without having to bend my neck backwards to worry that one of my children might come downstairs for a snack and catch us watching a sexual scene. I wanted to explore this further. What happened to the wholesome TV shows or movies I watched as a child? I look forward to coming home after school to watch Growing Pains or Family Ties. What is this need for society to watch so much violence and sex? What kind of messages are we teaching the next generation? How will this affect them in the future? So it seems that these days people like to watch shows that show harm and death, like euphoria, because there is a phenomenon called doom watching which means consuming bad news. With doom watching, people watch intense shows that feed off their own anxieties, especially at night when other distractions might not be readily available. People like to project their personal fears and stressors onto fictionalized television characters. So it's not all doom and gloom. Dr. Romanoff, a clinical psychologist in New York believes the show can serve as a vehicle for education and understanding. The show does a good job at showcasing mental health, addiction struggles, and how people address this through self-medication, she states. The show has important implications when it comes to increasing awareness and empathy for addiction, mental health, sexuality, and relationships. It encourages important conversations and self-reflection. Many parents and teenagers both enjoy this show because it creates a pathway for informal conversations with their children about drug use, relationships, toxic masculinity, gender, and sexuality. So it seems like on one side, some people believe that these shows are helpful for our teenagers. The show can be hard to watch, but much good material comes up that helps ignite the conversation between parents and kids, If they're actually able to watch it together without feeling too uncomfortable. (laughs) People seem to also have a fascination with serial killers on television. Serial killers tantalize people like traffic accidents, train wrecks, or natural disasters. They receive a jolt of adrenaline as a reward for witnessing terrible deeds. Think of it as a thrill-seeking child who will ride the roller coaster over and over again until he or she becomes physically ill. The euphoric effect of true crime on human emotions is similar to that of a roller coaster or natural disaster. The public is drawn to crime because it triggers the most basic and powerful emotion in all of us, fear. When we're at home, we can experience fear and horror in a controlled environment where the threat is exciting but not real. True crime shows offer guilty pleasure to thrill-seeking adults. Why do we say guilt? We know it's inappropriate for us to enjoy watching horrors inflicted on real people while we still indulge in these shows and can't stop, like eating a chocolate cake (laughs) or mac and cheese. And we know it's bad for us, but we continue doing so. On the other hand, many of us can reminisce about those days coming home after school and watching our favorite sitcoms. Before the days of excessive content around every corner, not just from cable, but streaming services, YouTube and social media, Families actually sat down together on a certain night of the week to watch their favorite show. There was no pushing a button to add it to a list and binge later. You watch an episode at the time it came out or you missed it and waited until summer reruns. With network TV design around the ideas of families sitting together, ABC's producer came up with an idea that would make family togetherness their focus. They called it TGIF, which stood for thank God it's Friday or thank goodness it's funny. This was not just for kids, not just for adults, but everyone. It was about comedy and getting the family together. It was about sitting down, taking a load off for the week and laughing together. This was a place where families created time where they could sit with their kids on the couch and enjoy a whole night of laughs. What made TGIF work was its wholesome simplicity. The shows didn't have an all-encompassing plot that carried an entire season. The characters weren't mean or deceitful or selfish. These wholesome sitcoms gave us the basics of where the main focus was, which was just family. It was uncomplicated and G-rated drama. That's why audiences loved it. It was comfort food. It was something you watch while you relax. The shows made you laugh and they made you feel good. No one was getting murdered, and there was always some lesson or message being taught in each episode. But in the 2000s, as the internet and reality TV exploded, there was no longer a huge audience for the wholesome plots of the 1990s, which is unfortunate. Now, in a world of so many shootings and terrifying news, why do we desire the need to watch so much crime and death? You would think that this is the time we need the most wholesome television more than ever to ease our mind. This is not good for our mental health, which is very confusing. According to a 2021 study published in Psychology, Research and Behavior Management, binge-watching correlated with mental health symptoms including stress, loneliness, insomnia, depression, and anxiety. Dr. Carol Liberman, Beverly Hills-based psychiatrist who studies the correlation of health versus violence in the media, said that it's common for television shows to trigger anxiety and depression in their viewers. TV producers almost count on this reaction from viewers to keep them tuning in. It may seem counterintuitive since it doesn't make sense that someone would want to keep watching a show that makes them feel anxious or depressed but they are drawn like a moth to a flame, explained Dr. Liberman. When the show ends, they can feel reassured the victims survived and the bad guys were punished. Dr. Liberman said that research has shown that daily news broadcasts cause the most anxiety and depression thanks to heavy emphasis on violence and negative events. According to a 2015 study published in Psychiatry, people who increase how often they watch newscasts report Uncontrolled fear, stress, difficulty sleeping, and fearful thoughts. Television should relieve your stress after a long day, not give you anxiety. One of the most effective things we can do to release our stress is to stop watching these shows. (laughs) Watching emotional or fighting programs right before bedtime is especially not recommended, since it will cause negative emotions, which will not allow us to sleep well. Sometimes it's actually a good idea to shift gears. The shift from watching sexual assaults based on true stories to watching pointless but entertaining catfights by switching to Real Housewives (laughs) helps people feel less anxious, which is why reality shows have become so popular these days as well. People look for TV for comfort. The new generation is no longer exposed to wholesome television. Since they did not grow up with it, if they tried to watch it, they would find it cheesy and boring since children of this generation are used to fast and constant stimulation. Any show that provides an aspect of escapism or can make someone feel better about their own situation creates comfort. It seems that we like to experience mental and physical stimulation negatively in a form of fear and positively in a form of excitement and joy. The biochemical inside our bodies change when we consume horror. Fright can trigger the release of adrenaline, resulting in heightened sensations and surging energy. So why do we keep doing this? <laughs> Virtually, since the dawn of television, parents, teachers, legislators, and mental health professionals have wanted to understand the impact of television programs, particularly on children. Psychologists like Albert Vendora's work in the 1970s studied social learning and the tendency of children to, to imitate what they see. They learned that the more aggressive the people or films children observe, the more aggressive these children act. A 2010 review by psychologist Craig Anderson concluded the evidence strongly suggests that exposure to violent video games is a casual risk factor for increased aggressive behavior, cognition, effect, and decreased empathy in pro-social behavior. Anderson's earlier research showed that playing violent video games can increase a person's aggressive thoughts, feelings, and behavior in laboratory settings and daily life. One major conclusion from this and other research on violent entertainment media is that content matters, says Anderson. So we cannot just let our children watch whatever show they want. This is very important. It's key. For decades, people have been warned about influential effect of too much violence on television. A new study is now backing that belief up with facts. Their report finds that guns appearing in violent movie scenes and real-life killings involving young people in the United States has skyrocketed by more than 80% over the past two decades. A team from the Annenberg Public Policy Center believes The rise in shootings and real-life mirrors that in popular cop and medical dramas. The morality of TV has gone undeniably downhill. The family audience viewership has been taken away, and only controversial content has been created. Rather than scare the viewer, these films seek to make the spectator uncomfortable, usually through unconventional editing and the transgression of both social norms and film techniques. However, as these films later point out, we are actively and consensually watching a film that depicts the horrible torture and murder of innocence. We would be somewhat unsatisfied as an audience if it lacked violence and tragedy. In focusing on assault, these films rise questions about spectatorship and audience participation. Why are we watching them and how do we feel knowing we can so easily be swept up into these same violent impulses as the alleged antagonists? This ability to create unease is a hallmark of disturbing films. Their inclusion makes the audience confront long-held social and individual beliefs of what is and not acceptable behavior and why. These films test the boundaries of a society's conventions within the realm of mostly fiction, allowing for a relatively safe place where both the creator and viewer explain how far one can push against these widely held boundaries and question why they are still upheld. We are driven to explore the darker sides of existence in the same way we are compelled to celebrate the light, and these shows or films provide a unique medium for both of these impulses. Disturbing films have been with us since the beginning of television. question is, why are we seeking them out now more than ever in a world where we have more violence than ever? How do these disturbing shows or films make us confront the boundaries of our comfort zones, both in the fiction we consume and in the way we live our lives. How can we help our children understand that these shows are not substitutes for real life, real friends, or real social connections, but instead help them create a boundary that shows they understand the make-believe violence in shows should not be a reality they will create? Unfortunately, I cannot provide the answer to these thought-provoking questions. However, it is crucial to contemplate and internalize their significance deeply. It is vital for us, especially as parents, to remain vigilant and well informed. This entails acquiring knowledge and utilizing parental control apps to effectively monitor our children's mobile devices, as well as establishing kid friendly profiles to restrict access to certain TV shows. For older children, it's beneficial to actively engage with them by watching these shows together, fostering an environment. That encourages uncomfortable yet necessary conversations. Above all, while we may no longer have the privilege of experiencing the wholesome TV shows and nostalgic TGIF nights of the past, there's absolutely no reason why we cannot initiate a family movie time devoid of distractions from phones. By doing so, we can recreate those cherished memories we were fortunate enough to have while growing up. Thank you everyone for tuning in today to Female Fluence. Together we can influence and motivate other mind-like females. Your job is to feel alive, be in control and always be true to your own self. Please don't forget to subscribe so you can continue feeling inspired. All the links and notes from this episode will be posted on my website, femalefluence.com. Don't forget to also follow me at Female Fluence on both Instagram and Facebook. Lastly, if you are in the need of a woman empowerment life coach to help you identify the barriers that keep you from living the life you seek, please send an email to info@femalefluence.org. Remember, my friends, don't just exist, but live your life to the fullest. I'm your host, Pearl Mashur. Until we talk next time.